Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Recoil Live. I'm your host, Tom Marshall, and with me today is Mr. Bill Perkins. Now, some of you college football fans may be familiar with the University of Arizona Wildcats. You may be less familiar with the University of Arizona Wildcats, which is the university's action shooting team. Uh, Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for the team and uh, who you are? Uh, my name is Bill Perkins. I'm a Western Region field rep for the Scholastic Action Shooting Program, and I'm a volunteer coach with a shooting team uh, that you introduced us to, the Wildcats. Fantastic. Uh, so, so have you been? Uh, have you been a lifelong shooter? Or are you a? Are you, would you consider yourself a shooting industry professional? Where Where did you come from as an individual? <laughs> Well, you know, like a lot of people, I got my introduction to shooting in Boy Scouts when I spent the entire summer camp down at the rifle range. My father was disappointed that I didn't come home with more merit badges, but um, Scouts is kind of a one and done. You get the merit badge and then there's no reason to go back. So there was kind of a lapse of a few years in there where I didn't have an opportunity to shoot a lot. And then uh, I had a Pima County Sheriff's officer that took me under his wing and uh, really started to teach me fundamentals. And, and that's what really kind of clicked for me is that there's a method to getting better. And uh, so that's something that I've taken to heart as I continue as a coach is I'm, I'm constantly drilling fundamentals and there's no point in trying to advance to do the tactic cool stuff if you can't do the fundamentals because it turns into tactic suck. And so, you know, by emphasizing fundamentals and starting with that, anything you're going to do in the shooting sports after that is you're going to be able to be successful at it. And so the more you, more you can execute those fundamentals successfully, you'll be good at other shooting sports. Yeah. I once had a trainer tell me that there is no such thing as advanced shooting. There is only advanced application of the fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, uh, building block approach is the way to go. So do you, do you have a, a competitive shooting? Did you ever get into that yourself or did you kind of jump right into the youth side of it? Yeah, I, uh, when I was in college, I, you know, kind of buddied up with a couple of guys and they were very much into tactical shooting. And, and so I became a very uh, regular attendee at USPSA matches, steel shooting matches. And, um, you know, I, I probably got up to shooting maybe eight, 10,000 rounds a year, which for me on a college kid, that was a, I mean, I thought all it was all the ammo in the world and learned how to reload. And so I'm sitting in my loading room with Dylan presses on the other side of me and, um, and so that was my, that was my competitive, um, fire. And then years later, as an adult, I had an opportunity to do what I was doing, but kind of introduce the next generation. And so I, I grabbed onto that and I've been involved in shooting, um, uh, and shooting sports and teaching youth to do this for over 20 years now. And it's, it's rewarding. So tell us a little bit about uh, SASP. I believe that's the organization you're with now. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about them um, and then where they kind of fit into the, the larger world of competition shooting. Yeah. So this started out as an idea that, uh, so if you go back like almost 10 years now, uh, it started out as there was a program called Scholastic Steel Challenge. And that was actually a very tiny little branch of the USPA organization. And they decided that they couldn't continue to promote it uh, professionally. And so the individuals that were involved in leading that then went to the Scholastic Shooting Sports Foundation. And the Scholastic Shooting Sports Foundation has a program called Scholastic Clay Target. And so Scholastic Shooting Sports Foundation then created a program called Scholastic Pistol Program, the SPP. Uh, 
So anybody in this industry, there's a, just an alphabet of letters that everybody piles together randomly and tries to make sense out of. Um, and so this plastic pistol program grew and we, we had great success growing more and more people. And then it became pretty obvious that our program has even more opportunity for growth if we had rifle. And that's when it became the scholastic action shooting program. So SASP. And uh, now we've got something like 30 state matches, five regionals and three national matches every year. And the uh, shooting sports foundation's got 20,000 youth involved in this program. So although a lot of people have never heard of it, uh, there's a lot of people that are involved in this, just depending on kind of what corner of the, of the, the country you're in, that either you're, you're either surrounded by it or you've never heard of it. You know, you, you were talking numbers here, and that made me wonder, how is it, is it largely a regional kind of thing, or have you seen competitors from all 50 states? I would imagine there's probably maybe a corner in that upper right corner you don't see a whole lot of, a lot of shooters from. But, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, right? Is it, is it something that is truly nationwide, or do you see kind of regional concentrations throughout the country? The majority of it is definitely concentrated on the East Coast. Um, it's really hard. I'm one of the national trainers. And so I can tell you, it's just really hard to get an action pistol team started in California because they have gun laws that just prevent the, the I, I can't hand you a firearm and say, hey, go teach the kids this weekend because I'd be committing a, a, a felony under California state law. So there's roadblocks involved in, in preventing our success from being more widespread. Uh, on the other hand, I'll tell you that one of the fastest teams in the country is up in Washington. And Washington's not known for being a gun-friendly state, and yet Team Gata and the Renton Steel Dragons are, are, have produced some of the fastest athletes this program's ever seen. Um, but, you know, having said that, we've got uh, guys like Nate Gibson, Iowa Deadshots, we've got, um, we've got uh, West Point, we've got Virginia Tech, we've got the Naval Academy, we've got Texas A&M Corps of Cadets. Um, all of those colleges all recognize that in order to succeed at this sport, it requires a lot of dedication and it requires a commitment. And those are qualities that we want to instill in our youth. And so there are other schools that aren't so deeply mired in politics or constrained by politics that recognize the value of what uh, competitive sports can bring to their athletes. And one of the things that I really like about this sport is that you don't have to be the biggest or the fastest. Oftentimes, the person that rises to the top is the one that's the hardest working. And so, um, you know, we've, we've got gals that are absolutely at the very top of the podium because this is not a sport that, that favors males versus females. So in terms of the actual matches themselves, uh, can you talk us through what a typical scholastic action match looks like? You know, uh, yeah. most of us probably have a frame of reference that either looks like IDPA or, or PSA or three gun. There's, there's, I'm sure some PRS guys out there, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, give us, give us a frame of reference kind of where in that spectrum do, does the, do the scholastic shooting sports fall? Well, we're specifically designed to be a feeder sport. So anybody that's a competitive shooter now that shows up at one of our matches is going to recognize the format. Uh, we use the same steel targets as USPSA and Steel Challenge. We use the same range commands. Our equipment is the same equipment that a, at a beginner would start out in the other handgun sports. 
Um, so just to give you an example, we have seven stage designs. When you go to a match, you will shoot four of those stages and that's to be determined by the match director. And then each stage has five steel targets. And the person that shoots the fastest is gonna be the winner. So if that sounds a lot like steel challenge, um, you know, somebody that shows up to one of our matches, they may say, hey, this, is, this looks like steel challenge, but except they're doing it with fifth graders and seventh graders, which is pretty unusual. And holy cow, those kids are fast. And, um, you know, it, it's a great thing. I mean, anybody that is into the shooting sports and anybody that follows like World Speed Shooting Championships, they're going to recognize, you know, names like Nate Gibson, Emily Cunningham, Connor Knapp, Kylie Wells, Kaylee Shaner, because those people set world records at the World Speed Shooting Champion. Nate Gibson set a record, a world record this year that was almost three seconds faster than last year. And, and that's, that's smashing. I mean, that's not just edging somebody out. That's smashing somebody's record when you're three seconds faster than the guy that shot it last year, the gal that shot it last year. And, you know, we're doing that with the kids that were like born and raised in our program. And that's what really makes our program unique is because we've got dedicated coaches. We've got a, we've got a system to bring them up. Um, we, we're giving these kids opportunities at matches that, uh, you know, you can go and shoot a lot of local matches, but where do you go for regional? Where do you go for the state? Where do you go for the national? And, you know, you go to our, na you go to our national matches and there's, there's 3,000 kids competing. And there's just not a lot of matches in the world where you've got that level of, of competitive presence. And uh, then if you come to our nationals, you might just happen to see Ashley Ruark from Glock or Shane Coley from Glock or Max Michelle from Sig Sauer. They're doing a demo. And so then there'll, there'll be a little clinic and you'll get to, you know, our, our athletes get to kind of mingle with these top shooters and, um, and, and learn from literally the fastest people on the planet. So we provide them with opportunities to get even better. And I think we're doing a really good job of that. And that, that, that opportunity is, is pretty rare in this, in this environment. Yeah. And, and that's, that's awesome to hear that, that some of those sort of household names at the, um, mm -hmm at the adult level for lack of a better way yeah. to separate it uh you know yeah, are, the professionals kind of, yeah right the professionals yeah. are are you know reaching back down and taking mm -hmm. the time to uh contribute to the next generation so what do um is it all pistol is there a rifle division is it yep. are is there are there weapon transitions like there are in three gun or I mean, like how does the what's the mechanics of a, of a given stage sure so and again, this is kind of what I like about our program is, is I've got grade schoolers that join my program. So we're not working off of a belt drawing out of a holster. We're going to start at low ready and we're going to shoot as fast as we can. And then we're going to prepare for the next string and take your time, as much time as you want between strings. And then when the buzzer goes off, go as fast as you can again. And then when you're done, unload, show clear, just like any of the shooting sports. And then you're going to take that pistol or that rifle and you're going to bag it and then walk off the stage. So, um, you know, you don't need, you don't need the, the belt equipment, the holsters, the magazines that, you know, all, all worn on you, you know, we're not shooting through doorways and, and shooting through windows or doing, you know, shooting poppers, do anything like that, because, um, I mean, it, it's great. I've got kids that are, uh, fourth grade on my team and, and Holy cow, they're going to be so fast. Um, I mean, and they just do, do they it up start like a sponge. on lunch. Do they start on rimfire? 
So there's no requirement to start on rimfire. When they're, when they're in grade school, they're required to start on rifle. And so we have, um, um, we've got rimfire pistol, rimfire rifle, we've got uh, centerfire pistol, centerfire rifle, then we've got optics divisions, we have iron divisions. So there's so many opportunities for them to shoot different firearms in what we call different disciplines. Um, and they can shoot all of them, but they're going to shoot one match at a time. So they're not transitioning from rifle to pistol. Um, because we're, we're, we're started out as a beginner program. And, uh, but even my most advanced athletes, you know, I watch them coach and I'm like, Hey, you know, you can pick up another 10th of a second here. So it's not as if you're going to get bored with it because there is no limit. It's not like, Oh, I qualified. I'm done. You know, this is like, okay, I shot the entire match. And the very first time I did it, I shot it in 70 seconds. After doing it for a year, I shot 55 seconds. After doing it for another year, you shoot 45 seconds. I'm like, you know what? The world record right now is 28 seconds. You got a lot of work to do. And so, you know, there's no limit. There's no end. It's just a question of, you know, how fast can you go? How fast can you push yourself? And for me, that's one of the really kind of exciting things about this is because I explain this to my athletes. And a lot of this is about what I would call risk management. Are you going to push it so hard that you have two misses? Or is that not worth the risk? Or are you going to say, you know what, I'm going to slow down a tenth of a second to engage that hard target to make sure I get the hit and then move on really fast to these other targets. That's a different risk management technique. And so, you know, a lot of the people that are involved in our sport, they're going to go on. And, and I mean, I've got kids just from my team. They've gone on to be uh, cork. Um, Navy corpsmen, Army, Air Force, uh, firefighters, um, doctors, nurses. I, I mean, these are all, all professions that involve you have to be very good at risk management or you're going to suck at your job. And so if you learn just a, if you just get a taste of risk management in the shooting sports, and that means do I push it here or, you know what, maybe it's, it's smarter to actually let off the throttle a little bit and get the hit and then move on really quickly. Those are all kind of beginner risk management skills. And, you know, the other analogy that I use is that all these kids that I've heard in my program, essentially, they're going to want to learn to drive someday. Well, when you turn 16, that's like the biggest risk management decisions you're going to make all day long. Am I going to turn left? Or am I going to make right, you know, make a right turn, go down, make a U-turn? Or am I going to wait for the green light? Or am I going to, am I going to go really fast? I mean, those are all risk management decisions. Do you find that a lot of your you find a lot of your kids are coming like on the college side. Would you say you're getting a, a good amount from like ROTC programs or is it, I mean, is it just no more, not a more significant percentage than anywhere else or JROTC for the high school kids? I'd actually say it's, a, there's a fair representation. It's not, uh, I mean, at my college, uh, it's not um, disproportionately high or low. Um, you know, there are some colleges, like I mentioned earlier, Texas A&M Corps of Cadets. If you want to be on the action shooting team, you are in the Corps of Cadets. Right. That's, yeah, it's a, you know, a precondition. And, right. And yeah. same thing, Virginia Tech, you are in, in, the, in the cadets, you are in ROTC. So it's entirely kind of di dictated by the structure of how the program was set up uh, for that specific team. Well, I, that, that makes sense. I'm uh, uh interested i i guess going into it i would have thought maybe sort of a like i like you said a, a disproportionate amount um, mm -hmm. of kids it, it all be kind of aspiring military law enforcement types uh 
but yeah. I, I, I'm, I found out from the couple of times I've come down to, to help you guys coach. Um, and just from talking to you that, that it isn't, it isn't all right. It's you have a much broader, uh, student body on the team than, than I would have thought, which is a, a positive thing, right? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. A, that's a great thing to know that you're seeing people from kind of all walks of life and academic majors and things like that, uh, that are taking an interest and in that are, that are getting something out of this for themselves. Mm-hmm. So kind of in that same vein and talking about majors and, and the diversity of, of the student body versus what you see on the team, what you're doing is is you're working in the intersection of the shooting sports industry and academia, which are historically not two cultural segments that are known for playing nice together uh, mm-hmm. or for having a particularly large overlap in core values. Uh, what, how do you navigate that? What challenges do you face on the day-to-day in running and managing a, a shooting team in an academic environment? Yeah. Well, I think part of it is the fact that we are the Scholastic Shooting Sports Foundation. So $99,000 in scholarships carry some weight. Um, and the sponsors that we have in our program really like what we're doing, which is why they want to help us um, have the money to give away for these scholarships. Um, the other, I think, motivating factor in this is I've also got a high school team. And there have been plenty of times where, you know, I've heard the conversation between mom and an athlete, like, hey, you, you can't compete until you get your grades up. So, I mean, there, there's an incentive right there. I mean, they've got to be in good academic standing in order to be able to compete. And, you know, from the college team point of view, we, we practice midday. You know, I can frequently tell you that there's, you know, athletes that'll send me a message like, hey, coach, uh, we're studying uh, uh, air quality today. And it's like, I can't make practice because I can't miss this one. And so, you know, the athletes, again, they're, they're making their own decisions like, what do they need to do that's for their kind of self-serving personal best interest? Because they've, they've got to pass this class. They've got, to, they've got to do well because they've got a career ahead of them. And so they're making good decisions and saying, hey, you know what? I got to miss practice because I need to go to class. So, um, you know, as far as the U of A goes, I mean, I, I think that they have been uh, very good partners for us. They have um, awarded us funds to help us attend nationals. And, um, you know, in exchange, we're giving them the university is interesting because it's they recognize that students that are involved in extracurricular activities are far more likely to succeed and graduate. And so the university has in in their own self-interest, again, is wants their students to be actively involved in their community. And we're part of that community. So it's not for everybody. You know, we've got some people that rather probably wish we weren't there. But um, you know, again, my analogy kind of goes back to how many people object to javelin or discus or, or long distance running, because all of those things were part of the original Olympiad, you know, in Greece. Um, and, and they're all relevant to combat. I mean, that's why we participate in discus yep. and javelin. That's, they're, they're that's related what the to, Olympics was. It was a military, you know, yeah. oriented training event. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And so those events have evolved beyond pure warfare into a sport. And so I'm happy to show people that, look, these are firearms and, but this is also a sport. And so, you know, when you look at it from a sporting point of view and like, what am I teaching? Well, I'm teaching discipline, I'm teaching hard work. I'm teaching fundamentals, I'm teaching risk assessment. Um, you know, people kind of look at it from a different perspective and go, well, that, that doesn't sound bad. 
have you have you had the opportunity to help the light bulb go on maybe for some oh, whether yeah. it's students or faculty that maybe yeah. they run into your guys's table at a at a student club fair kind of thing yeah. and oh guns what are you guys doing here and yeah you get to talking and and have you had have you been able to kind of flip the switch for people along the way and do some of that some of that education yeah I, I think it's all very gradual you know you don't really have these kind of light bulb moments very often but you know if somebody comes by and i can explain it to them and maybe change their perspective on it a little bit uh education is always gradual and so um you know i want to tell them what we're doing educate them and another thing that i am really proud of with my university team is we run a program uh three or four times a year called first shots and so we're partnered with Pima County Shooting Range. And so three or four times a year, I take all of my students down there and, and I'm going to say that probably six or seven are certified as coaches. And we take the general public in and teach them the basics of safe firearm handling. And so Pima County puts it out through their, their network, through media, through their Facebook and they reach out to the community and, and we've had uh, 140 people sign up in an hour and a half. So there's this tremendous hunger from just the general public that they want to understand how to shoot safely. And I can say, look, I want to introduce you to the Wildcats. This is a national championship winning team. We know what you're doing, you know, and we want you to learn from us. And so we take our people and our equipment. We get ammo from the National Shooting Sports Foundation, another great partner in this program. And we use this as an opportunity to reach out to the public to make sure that people know how to handle a firearm safely. What are the three fundamental rules of safety? Because if you can abide by those three rules, those three rules, you will have done a tremendous amount to make the community safer. So you, you mentioned kind of in passing there are national championship winning teams. So I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to give you a chance to toot your horn here. Uh, you guys just actually uh, on the university side, just wrapped your season. I know we were talking before, uh, before we got, before we kicked this off that the high school kids are still going for another couple of weeks, but uh, how, how did your season go this year? So we had our uh, national championship in March and we go to uh, Alabama and have that at the civilian marksmanship program range where the world speed shoot is. They've got a fantastic facility. And uh, the University of Arizona Wildcats, and we competed against, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's usually around 30 other colleges. And uh, we came home with two first place national trophies and two second place national trophies. And um, we, we, we had a great year. So we're always, um, we're always trying to get better. And uh, we're always looking for more athletes to join us. And what I think is really fun about this is I have got athletes from around the country that are calling me up and say, Hey, I heard about your team. Well, you know, what do I need to do to join or, or, or how do I join? And so we have now become a way for the universities. You know, people are coming to the university now because of our shooting team. And I think that's, that's pretty neat. But muted myself there. There we go. Okay. Uh, that, no, that is, that's fantastic. And, and to have that, that kind of recognition, uh, and again, certainly a feather in the cap for U of A to have, you know, people who are going to make that major life choice of what college I'm going to go to based at least in part on what you guys accomplish. And, and kind of on that note, you had mentioned earlier in the conversation about uh, you know, $99,000 worth of scholarship money. So 
for the kids kind of at that, the kids who are on the high school side of this, mm-hmm. um, is, is there a, a sort of a feeder bridge for them if they're high school competitors and they, they do well as their sort of a scholarship slash transition program for them to kind of, you know, uh, transition smoothly into, a, you know, going to a university that has a yeah. program in place and getting onto it and maybe hopefully bring some scholarship money with them. Yeah, so we gave out uh, $99,000 in scholarship, and that's ranging anywhere from $1,000 to $5,000. This summer in July, we'll have our junior-senior national championship, and I will also be there, and so it'll be great if I can, you know, it'll, it'll give me an opportunity to introduce myself to a lot of graduating juniors and seniors that are coming up through high school, and they're looking for colleges to go to and if they've been you know fully invested in a sport like this for three four five years they're they're going to be looking for a college that has an sasp team where they can continue having fun you know competing learning skills and and being with people that uh you know that they know they're gonna have something in common with do you uh do you get to do you for the high school events like can you recruit like like football coaches you know for colleges can go out and recruit and have talent scouts and all that do you do you basically kind of get is that a chance for you to sort of maybe try and pull some some you know up and coming high school level athletes in this sport uh and try and make them a sales pitch to come to come to you yeah i mean it's really uh it's much much more relaxed um as a club at the u of a we don't have any access to financial resources so we can't say offer you a scholarship um, so, I mean, it's really kind of a, an introduction. Hey, we've got a team at University of Arizona. We're a successful team. We've got great resources. We've got, we've got good funding. Um, you know, if you're interested in continuing on with SASP, you know, take a look at Arizona and see, you know, if that fits what, what your requirements are for college. Um, but we're not, we're, not, we're not in a position to be able to hand out scholarships or anything like that, which a, a football recruiter would certainly be able to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the dollar amounts they play with, yeah. you know, yeah. a, that's a whole nother level, but yeah. So then is it, is it, is it actually the, the scholastic shooting sports foundation that could, are they giving out scholarships then? Is that how that yes. works? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I wasn't, uh, I got confused there for a second. You know, we've been talking a lot about the, about the mechanics of, of, you know, how the teams are structured, how the matches are structured, but I think really one of the one of the talking points here is, you know, there's such a focus in this industry and in the shooting community, um, even for those that are, you know, hobbyists and, and recreational shooters and maybe don't aren't aren't in it for a living. But I think across that whole board, there's a lot of focus on, you know, we always talk about raising the next generation of shooters mm-hmm. and, and bringing the next generation in, particularly for a. Um, a hobby slash sport slash constitutional right that always seems to be under the microscope and and under attack in some way or another so uh kind of in that vein you know what would you say are are some of your biggest rewards and then also day to day what are some of your biggest challenges uh specific to working with youth shooters Mm -hmm. yes i mean the rewards are are they're pretty easy. I mean, you know, we, we bring in um, athletes and one of the misconceptions is that, well, I'm not a shooter already or I don't have my own equipment. And um, we're, the Wildcats are in a very good position that if you show up with no skill whatsoever, you show up with no equipment whatsoever, you have the right attitude, 
odds are you're going to be very successful at this. You know, we've, we've got a, a track record of taking people that have no shooting experience or very little and turning into people that are very competent, very successful at this. Um, and that's rewarding because we're, we're teaching them a skill that is, um, I mean, I tell people regularly, this is actually much simpler than driving a car. Um, you know, the mechanics of, of, of running the gun are much simpler than a car. The rules of the range are ridiculously much simpler than the rules of the road. I mean, who's got right away and what can you do? What can't you do? Um, and so, I mean, I have an advantage over anybody that's teaching somebody how to drive a car because it, it, it's so much easier. Um, but you know, one of the things I love about Rob Latham says, you know, a lot of things are very, very easy to explain, but they're impossibly difficult to execute. And, um, and that's what's going to separate the good athletes from the bad athletes. And, and I think that also it, it's also what separates good coaching because a good coach can, can see kind of minutia in somebody's technique and, and nip it in the bud and say, no, 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 let, let's, let's try something different. And if you can get the right technique very, very early on, they're going to be more successful. So, uh, you know, the rewards are obvious, um, you know, winning is, is a tremendous self-serving reward. And so when you're, you know, when you've got your athletes up there and, you know, we just won two national championships, that's tremendously rewarding. And, um, you know, as, as far as the challenges go, I, I'll tell you that every successful team that I know of in the country, um, and I, I intentionally am friends with the winningest teams. You can imagine why. Um, but I can tell you that every one of them talks about, you know, what the challenges are and the challenges are either, you know, raising enough money or having, um, the right equipment or some arrangement they have with their club that really makes practices challenging, which, which is always to me, one of the hardest to understand, like, why are some clubs not more forthright and willing to help use shooting teams? Um, you know, again, it's just one of the one of the challenges that that any good coach and any good team is still going to have challenges. In terms of, you know, we, we've talked a lot about uh, going from the high school to the university level and, and what that looks like and, and mm -hmm. the things that the students are able to accomplish in their academic careers, you know, perhaps partly because of, of you know, being a part of this this kind of program. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a lot of them going into military and law enforcement and first responder type careers, which, right. you know, is, is the kind of what, what you might expect mm -hmm. for those that maybe have an interest in working full time, having a career in the firearms industry, mm -hmm. what kind of opportunities have you, uh, well, first of all, let me ask, have you seen you know, have you had students from your program, particularly on the university side, go on to actual full-time career oh, yeah. in the industry? Yeah. Um, and if so, are does does being an SASP shooter, uh, you know, are there opportunities? You mentioned seeing uh, Shane Coley and and, and Max Michelle. Uh, you know, it, it, do these programs? I I don't want to call them theater programs. I think that's a little too official. <laughs> um, but are there opportunities created for kids to be able to bridge into the, the actual into the firearms industry full time after graduation, if that's something that, you know, that they're interested in? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you one name that if you're a USBSA competitor, you've been beat by him. Uh, Christian Seiler was an SASP athlete from Washington with the Renton Steel Dragons. 
and he is now the three-time USPSA national champion. So he started in our program, and uh, um, Christian did something um, a year ago that has been never been done in the history of USPSA. He won all seven regionals in the same year, and then went on to win nationals. I mean, nobody's ever done that. And this, and again, that's just kind of like this is one of the athletes that came out of our program and then went on and, and, you know, he aged out. So, I mean, you know, you're no longer an, you're no longer a, a student. You can't, you can't camp out here forever. And so he went on and, you know, and, and start shooting USPSA and, and he is a three-time national champion. So um, people that have the motivation and want to stay in this industry, they're, they're, they're going to find a way. And um, from my team, um, I've got athletes from my team that have gone on to work for a little company called Raytheon. And, um, that's just a bigger bullet. I mean, that's all it is. And so, uh, also I've got another one of my athletes that, uh, while he was on the team, uh, interned for, uh, Ultor weapon system and is now a full-time employee. And so again, I mean, it's just, you're, you're going to follow your passion and people are passionate about the shooting sports. They're going to continue following that passion and regardless of where it leads um you know i've got uh there's a tremendous number of the athletes on my team that are that are in engineers and kind of the inside joke is that well we're very diversified because we have civil engineer chemical engineers forensic engineers um you know i mean there's so many different engineering fields uh, but one of them went on to work um for the telescope up on mount graham you know, again, a very, very scientific process that, that you have to be able to follow. And, um, and, I, and I think the shooting sports does that. I mean, in a, in, a, in a kind of an odd way, but I mean, again, it comes down to discipline and hard work and, and risk management. And understanding processes and being able to yeah. execute yeah. them consistently, Absolutely. repeatedly yep. on command, which is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, scientific process 101. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one of my, one of my favorite terms is that I use the term if an athlete is coachable. And the reason I like to kind of stick with that as a concept, because if a kid on my team is coachable, that means they know how to, they know how to listen. They know how to understand a process. They know how to follow instructions and then they know how to execute. And for me, that's also the qualities of a great employee. It doesn't matter what field you go into, you're going to have a boss. Yeah. That boss is going to explain to you, like, this is how I want you done. This is how I want you to do it. This is the directions I want you to follow. And this is the result that I expect. And so if you, if you are coachable as an athlete, I think that you have the qualities of making a very good employee. I, I would agree. Uh, following directions, you know, yeah. some yeah. of us figure it out in kindergarten. <laughs> some of us don't. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, well, I, you know, I, I think that uh, that covers you know, everything that, that I had hoped that we would cover. And I, I thank you very much for coming on. Uh, hopefully we're able to, to educate some people about some, some options for, you know, whether they have children or they have nieces and nephews, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a, oh, oh, here we go. So people who are interested in this, what's, give me a website plug. Yeah. So go to um, www.mysasp.com. Mysasp.com. And awesome. so, yeah, you'll find uh, a lot of information on there, a lot of uh, information from our sponsors. You can you can look and see when there are shoots. Uh, if you want to join a team, contact, uh, you know, our contact page on the website and they'll direct you to where there's a team in your area that you can join. And and if you're a motivated adult, you want to get involved in this. We always need more of those, too, because 
that's one of the three legs of the stool in order to make this program happen is you need athletes, you need a motivated adult, you need a place to shoot. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Bill. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to come talk to us. Yeah, uh, once again, I'm Tom Marshall. Thanks for listening to Recoil Live, and we will see you next time.